Hi, this is Jeanette Creamore, or you may know me as JC. Welcome to Laugh, Learn, Lead, a podcast show that helps project sponsors, project managers, and their teams shape their project success stories. I'll be sharing interviews that bring a different perspective to what project success looks and feels like, as well as unpacking our conversations to provide insights and practical tips. Stay tuned and enjoy. Hi listeners, today I catch up with Adrian Carzone, who is a passionate digital and technology leader thriving in business-facing roles, making the connection between business strategy, digital innovation and technology platforms to deliver success for his organisation. With experience across large corporates, leading Australian brands as well as greenfield startups, Adrian brings a wealth of experience in the digital and technology space, including designing, implementing, developing and improving processes and platforms. He's so much more than just a traditional information technology manager. Adrian is a highly strategic and forward-thinking leader whose passion and drive to succeed has seen him achieve great results in his career. Adrian enjoys working with all levels of his team, from senior management to the frontline team members. He's a natural communicator. Team growth and development alongside a positive and inclusive culture are very important to him, and he strives to foster his passion and leadership amongst his team. We talk about his career from accounting to chief technology officer at Kidsoft, why there is a need for balancing features over technical debt, and the importance of having a customer-first approach. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Adrian. Lovely having you here today. We first met uh, at Village Roadshow, so I know a little bit about you, but can you share for our listeners some of your background and how you got to where you are today? Yes, certainly. Uh, And thanks for having me. so a bit about my career history. Uh, so both of my parents were programmers. Um, I thought I'd try and break that mold. So I went down the accounting stream. I actually ended up doing IT study as part of that. Um, but when I entered the workforce, actually uh, went into accounting-based roles. Uh, that kind of quickly morphed into system accountant roles um, where there was lots of focus around um, business process automation uh, and streamlining wider business processes as well. That then saw me land in software development roles um, and then ultimately progress those roles into more senior IT leadership roles. And I had spent the last 13 years in theme parks and attractions, um, heading up technology and digital teams, um, where I was you know, very focused on business strategy and aligning those technology and digital strategies to those. And obviously, you and I met when I was at um, Village Roadshow Theme Parks. Um, I've now uh, landed in startup land um, as CTO for an organization called Kidsoft, which uh, develops software for childcare services um, to basically manage their day-to-day administration and, you know, integration with uh, government for subsidy, you know, payments, bookings, the CRM type um, uh, type things uh, and enrolments. And uh, quite, quite an interesting role going from, um, you know, very corporate organisations such as Village um, where the role was very defined to um, a startup where, you know, you've got to get your hands hands dirty to, to get things done. Um, so you end up kind of wearing multiple hats, which 
for me, uh, works really well because I like to kind of get my hands across as much as possible. So, you know, occasionally I'm still, I get back on the tools, which, you know, in a software company is good because I can kind of still stay relevant. Um, lots of touch points with our customers uh, and our and our support team and making sure that, you know, we're really listening to our customers and that, you know, um, relates back into ultimately where we're taking the product longer term. Gee, so there wouldn't be one day in your life that's the same. You'd have a surprise. (laughs) You'd have a surprise every day. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) And you know, to to, for me that um, that excites me about the role, um, and uh, and keeps me smiling about it every single day. Um, You know, I I like having that diversity and and the flexibility to be able to you know pick and choose different areas of the business where I can focus uh, my efforts on as well. A little bit later, I'll come to talk about what you're doing now. But because you've had that varied, you know, career from um, accounting makes me laugh every time I talk <laughs> to you. But um, probably in the software development and you know, your senior IT leadership roles, are you able to share with us one of your project highlights and why you feel it was a success? Sure, sure. Um, probably one of the most recent ones was, so the government, um, changed their funding scheme for, uh, childcare, um, rebates benefits. Um, so the previous system was called CCMS and the funding scheme was, um, childcare benefit and childcare rebate. And that on the 2nd of July last year, that got changed to childcare subsidy, um, under a childcare subsidy system, um, project. Um, so that was very major, major change for the entire sector and in, in an industry. Um, and for our software, it meant kind of a fairly major rewrite of our interfaces to the government and how we handled data for our, for the service and how they interacted with our system. And then equally how we pass that data onto, um, onto the government. Now, as you can imagine, any kind of government project there was uh lots of resources on them and then uh you know our our kind of smaller startup we were fairly limited in uh in what our resources that we had uh so there was tight timelines on the government side but a lot of those ended up compressing down into much smaller timelines for us as software vendors um and while there was a fairly long period that the government knew about this change and lots of design workshops with the government, um, which actually started well before I actually joined the organisation, um, there was a lot of things that just didn't eventuate and there was no kind of tangible starting point for a lot of the software software vendors. Um, so I, I onboarded in uh, January 2018 um, and we pretty well had not made much of a start on that project purely because the specifications still weren't locked down. Um, you know, there wasn't test environments. Um, so you kind of, at that point, you had, we had six months to, to get, a, get something ready. We weren't actually able to start that project until uh, I would say May, uh, March to April. Um, when a lot of the specs actually got dropped onto to vendors um, that weren't just stub interfaces. Um, 
and we so we kind of made strategic decision when I first onboarded that okay we know it's coming uh, and but we don't know what it is so uh, there was a lot of known unknowns um, and so we scaled we scaled the team in light of that knowing there was something coming and attempted to do as much planning as possible. Uh, a lot of that planning pretty well got thrown out the door uh, um, purely because of those the, the way that those interfaces were getting dropped onto us as software ven- vendors. So kind of skipping forward to the 2nd of July, we got there and we implemented very successfully. We're actually, there's a whole registration process that you go through and uh, we are actually one of the first to register across the 17 vendors in our space. And if I kind of look back at that project, while it was very rocky at times and there was lots of long hours, what kind of why I see it as a success for us is that we had a very small team, very tight time frame, but our team, uh, we pulled together really strong. We knew exactly how we would handle things that we you know, were unsure of or you know, needed to um, you know, do workarounds for um, and made sure that our customers were migrated successfully with minimal touch on their behalf and tried to make sure that we kept that project uh, you know, really successful for uh, our customers so that it was re- we just wanted it seamless for those guys because they were going through just as much change um, and the way that they manage their change is not like a you know a larger organization. These are just mum and dad operators who um, uh, you know are, are more focused on ensuring that they're giving quality care to their families. So you know we had to try and shield them a bit uh, as much as we could from that change. So uh, you know that meant making the system changes. Uh, be as trend, as um, uh, hidden as possible and making sure that they felt that the system still operated like they were used to but ensuring that we then met the back-end integration um, and equally applying that level of training and I guess and you can call it change management um, so that services knew what the new subsidy was about because you know Unfortunately, a lot of the sector had their heads buried in the sand. So we were providing a bit of that change management for them, uh, even though it's not our core responsibility, but we felt obligated as a software vendor to ensure that they knew what was happening, even if they didn't want to face the reality that it was coming. That's incredible because I think I can remember we caught up at the Commonwealth Games and that was yes. in around about March, like, Yes. 12 months ago around this time and you were yep. just saying the same thing that I don't know how I'm going to get this done by July and yet you <laughs> so congratulations because thank you. I, I'm sitting there as we're talking over coffee and I'm going, mm, geez, Adrian, you're optimistic but well done to the team. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I look, to be honest, the, the government did a great job. Um, you know, there was still... Yeah, we still felt the pain of um, of issues for the. You know, we're still feeling some of the issues today, uh, but they they made sure that they focused on those critical areas. And I know it, not one of our services didn't get paid through the new subsidy, um, which is a fantastic result. You know, it meant that 
the cash flow kept flowing for for services um, they could you know which had a flow and effect to make sure that they could pay their employees etc um, yeah and I, I think the the other thing we uh, we did a couple of big projects all at the same time which um, added to the challenge and I think also is another reason why I see that as success because uh, we did an acquisition of another childcare software company at that time. Um, and we also were in the midst of uh, onboarding our uh, single largest customer as well. So we were actively doing data migrations of um, uh, of services from this new client plus the acquisition clients as well um, while we're still going full steam ahead at the new development as well. So we kind of loaded ourselves up um, but we're able to divide and conquer enough and make sure that we had the right resources in the right spots and focus on the right things as well. And I'm sure one of those focus points was data. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, huge focus point obviously because we were migrating customers from um, uh, multiple different software vendors at that point in time. Incredible. Look, I could go on forever, dig a lot deeper, but I, I won't. Um, <laughs> so in that success glory, um, that's awesome. But also, as you know, we don't always have things run to plan and things don't go as smooth as what we wanted. Was there a project or a time in your career where you went, oops, I don't think we should have done that and it's now been one of your biggest lessons? That implementation is I see as a big lesson um, and part of it was, you know, we, we had successes out of those lessons and we were constantly evolving. So, you know, we're fortunate enough in being a, a, a startup business that we work in an agile um, framework uh, constantly day to day. So it's in our nature that we're, we're able to um, lift and shift as, as ever we need to. Uh, and, you know, we were finding at times that we were actually, you know, a spec was released from the government. We had completed the spec to find out that a change, major change had been implemented and that spec was completely gone. So, you know, while, while a lot of organisations would uh, possibly look at that and kind of question and, you know, be up in arms about it, we, you know, we took it, and we made sure that we just kept chugging away because, uh, you know, those items were essentially outside of our control. Um, so we really focused on what's in, in our control and made sure that we did those things really well. Um, but I think uh, another project for me, um, and you and I worked on this one at, uh, at Village, was the, um, the ticketing project. Mm. Um, it... Yeah, I think it ran, um, it was running for a, a few months, I think, um, prior to myself onboarding. Uh, and very interesting project, obviously, because there was a number of different stakeholders from uh, within that theme park business and also at the corporate level um, and lots of kind of preconceived ideas about uh, possibly a direction to go with. Um, and one of the learnings out of that I think was we had a lot of vendors pitch what their solution was and while 
we were comfortable with some of the solution, we weren't necessarily sold on the entire thing. And I think it was a great lesson to actually step back and look at it holistically about, okay, what's the actual business strategy? What are we trying to achieve? And the proposal was actually far more complex than what we actually needed to to deliver on that project successfully. Um, And I think that's, it was something that you can't, you, you still actually have to, question every step of the project you know you constantly need to be reevaluating. am i on the right path do i need to adjust um you know change directions go back a step uh you know i can't always just keep charging ahead full steam there is there is pivot points in that and that might be you know pivoting left or right but it also could be going back a step as well uh and, and we found ourselves kind of doing that a couple of times throughout that project in order to end up with the result that we did and the selection that we did. Um, as I guess we had uh, almost better knowledge, obviously, of how we wanted the business to run and after a period of time understanding the solution, a much better feel of what that solution looked like end-to-end. Yeah, I, you've just taken me back and... And I think you've brought up a good good point that I'm finding still in organisations is they really don't have a handle on their why, what the real problem is that they're trying to solve. Yeah. They're trying to solve a bigger agenda in one leap. And, yeah. and that word agility is I find that they've still got organisations still have a traditional way of decision-making and yet they want smaller, quicker delivery and yet... Yeah. The decision making doesn't mirror that. So yeah, that that definitely was a lot of lessons. But one of the things oh, I like on. one of the thing I liked about you coming on board is you actually you got, I believe, the executive at Village on board and getting them to understand what their bigger problem was. And you were able to really take them back and step them through step by step. So I think you are you definitely are an advocate for me. Um, and you you gave me um, the confidence that while I wasn't on site, that at least the agenda was being represented well, that there wasn't this undercurrent. So I want to thank you for that. But, yeah, definitely lesson. Link your strategy to your project and keep reevaluating was one word I think you kept saying. Oh, absolutely. And I think it, it, it probably leads well into uh, challenges that most organisations are facing is typically they're looking for a silver bullet across every single project. And the reality is it's not always the case. Very, very rare cases, I'd say, you you would actually get that silver bullet, Um, especially in today's day and age where, you know, you've got lots of little SaaS-based products or microservices or, um, you know, smaller solutions that have, uh, you know, a more fit-for-purpose on a specific objective that you then can look at in a more kind of holistic view around how you might integrate those things and and make benefit of kind of a best of breeds strategy rather than trying to um, you know fit a, a round um, round peg into a, a square hole type thing. So Adrian, you mentioned before that you're now this the CTO of your own um, business, 
and yep. you provide software for childcare services clients. You mentioned before a little bit about your Agile and how you got your project over the line um, in July the last year. Can you explain for us about how you go about planning and releasing those changes to your clients? What's some of the key things that your team do that you believe that kind of keeps you ahead and, and you get satisfaction from your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably key for us is our focus is very heavy on our customer and that's twofold for us because we've got a direct relationship with our with the childcare services that use our product uh, and equally we have a somewhat indirect relationship with the parents and guardians that also use the solution as well through kind of um, through their service provider as well as through their childcare service um, and what I think one of our biggest things is that we're always thinking about those customers and how they're interacting with us our system but equally they're not always right um, and, and I think you have to blend a customer want or you know a customer banging on your door saying I, I really need this to actually what you know again asking that why you know and you need to be asking that why multiple times until you actually get to the source of the, the why itself. Um, we're also really fortunate that our um, we've got a really experienced board um, for our organisation and they've come out of running ASX-listed childcare groups. Um, so they've got a really good, good view of what drives revenue, what creates efficiencies um, and ultimately what delivers really good experience um, both to the service and the guardian. So... So having those guys on board is a, a good sounding uh, sounding board and a sense check of ultimately what our strategy looks like and, um, you know, even to a further level of what are those features that are really important. Um, on the other hand as well, you've also got, you know, because we're a technology company, the tech itself um, ultimately has a, an age and a lifespan. So, You've also got to juggle kind of the new shiny stuff with technical debt um, that you're dealing with or kind of back-end things that, uh, you know, require time and effort but don't get uh, – are not often seen um, at the forefront of by customers. So, you know, they they have value and effort um, associated to those, uh, those mini projects or features. So we um, – we we leverage our team a lot in terms of what our roadmap looks like, what an iteration looks like, um, especially the our customer success team who are on the ground day to day with our customers. You know they're they're fielding our um, help desk tickets, our support calls, understanding kind of um, pains of our customers. Uh, so they they often input um, very heavily into what we should be adding into our product. And we try and balance out um, each of our iterations with a mix of new features and uh, kind of no more than 20% technical debt where it makes sense. Obviously, there's iterations that have larger technical debt if um, you're kind of trying to tackle something. And often what we're trying to achieve in our iteration planning, you know, we'll, we'll um, assess pretty basic on uh, effort and value. 
uh, and we throw that into a, a pick quadrant chart. So, um, uh, you know, uh, we're looking at what we want to um, kill, uh, what what we want to try and focus on, um, and you know th- that helps us get, get a better visibility of really what's driving value for us. Um, and we want to try and make sure that we're targeting the quick wins that are the highest value and the lowest effort. Um, but we want to balance that as well with those projects that are um, high high value and high effort um, because we know that they're kind of our longer-term strategic items and they, they need to have focus and attention. Um, but equally, the quick wins often help customer p- current pains. Um, so it's really looking at balancing a lot of those things and making sure that there's kind of clear visibility and context around where the roadmap is heading and how all the, how all this stuff fits into that. Adrian, you've mentioned a couple of times technical debt and um, are you able to share with us what that really means for you on how you said that you tried to incorporate 20% of technical debt in each of your releases? Yeah, absolutely. So it, there's a couple of meanings that we see internally for this and it could be uh, we've it could be a new feature that's literally just gone in and, you know, we might have had to, uh, I don't like saying the word, but uh, cut, cut a couple of corners to, to get the feature across the line or deliver on a, a certain timeline and it might have meant that some of the, the underlying code itself is not a, at a quality that we would want to maintain or we've potentially had to duplicate code where we know we could have done it better by merging a couple of things together. Um, or it could be that some of the modules in our system or the underlying frameworks are now starting to see end of life. So for us, technical debt kind of spans across a lot of those areas. So we will often, uh, you know, if, if we've got a, a big epic um, with a specific deadline, obviously we would look for um, completing it as best we can, but sometimes, you know, we might have to shoot for an MVP type solution. Typically that will then have a, a follow-up uh, release, which would be addressing more than likely technical debt that we've, uh, implemented in the MVP so we could get it out the door. Um, the you know, follow-up phases to an MVP might also include additional features and functionality, but there's more than likely there's going to be a blend of that technical debt. So that's kind of what it means to us. Yeah, and for me, I think Apple, Microsoft, they release their products with technical debt all the time and we we don't even know about it as a consumer of their products and so I thank you for your transparency and I know that every project that I've been on, we have a flavour of technical debt to get the job done. It's that balancing yeah. act of, you know, meeting the deadline to save reputation of an organisation. It could be about compliance. It could be about profit. But have your posts go live with a very clear um, iteration release of of fixing up those band-aids and those patches. I like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for us, again, it still allows us to follow an agile method while still being able to deliver 
to certain timelines, and we do that by by uh, breaking it down into a phased approach where we do have an MVP, but we equally then have items that we then have slotted into those future iterations. And I think you know we've seen with a lot of our projects internally is. Um, those short, sharp iterations and getting something into our customers' hands, especially if we're just piloting it with a handful of our childcare services because they're kind of looking as a, an early adopter, allows us to quickly iterate on things that we might not have fully understood without having kind of what you believe is a you know a finished final product and you're never going to have to touch again. Um, you kind of still keep the door open for that without having to do major rewrite as well. Mm. Yeah, good point. So always delivering value to your customer um, is, is key. Yeah, and it is very much a balancing act because you don't want to deliver something that is just chockers full of technical debt. Um, but you, so, you know, there's, there's often times where you will need to, revisit what that project timeline looks like and things may, and you might end up with slippage. So, um, you know, you really have to be looking at uh, what that technical debt component's going to look like and what sort of pain that's going to cause longer term versus, okay, do we actually delay the project and, um, and kind of uh, risk maybe upsetting client or missing a, that deadline um, but having a better, you know, a, a better, stronger, more stable platform longer term. Adrian, what do you believe are some of the big challenges organisations are tackling now and typically into the future? Well, I think we kind of touched on it before. I, I do believe a lot of the larger organisations are struggling from uh, looking for that silver bullet in one single product vendor that type of thing um and you also i still believe kind of that um shadow it is is very much around more than ever because you know i can just go and sign up for a SaaS based solution and off i go um without and and a lot of organizations are doing that because they're still seeing it as slow and challenging and oh, I don't want to involve IT, um, you know, it just causes headaches. Um, whereas if those technology departments and those organisations are more willing to adopt those kind of smaller SaaS-based products and look at how they could integrate them better and have, um, you know, strong platforms for what they do best, it gives you that flexibility to spin up those um, those dedicated applications, meet us um, an objective and, you know, ultimately help deliver what that business strategy is. So, but, you know, again, every, everything, there's a, a, a juggle with this because you then need to look at, um, I guess, some of more of the corporate-based IT stuff around compliance and governance and things like that. Mm. I, but I, I certainly think... Um, SaaS-based products are still a challenge in a lot of organisations and um, a lot aren't sure of how best to handle those. Yeah, and the thing that I've been finding with this, the SaaS applications or the blend of their own 
in-house built applications is data. They find they think they can just install a new application and it's going to work, but no one's got a real handle on their data health and how mm-hmm. how we're going to not duplicate and how we're going to yeah. sources of truth and absolutely. So, and that's really where that integration piece comes into play is, you know, it's great to have a kind of best of breed in a you know specific niche area of your organization, but not having that kind of end-to-end view of what the life cycle of that data looks like. I, I totally agree. I think it, it causes um, a lot of challenges longer term because, yeah, you are duplicating data or you're now having to, kind of pull data from this source, that source and whatever other source to, to make meaningful sense of that data. Mm. And, you know, BI is still um, obviously a challenge in this in this space as well, but typically what you would find with a lot of these uh, small SaaS-based products is that they have um, easy accessible APIs to pull that data. So, um if you're smart about your implementation and look at it a bit more holistically, you can actually get a really great result out of that. Yeah, agree, 100%. So we're nearly at the end, Adrian. So I just want to probably um, close off by asking, what has been the best life advice you've received? Uh, I think for me, uh, it probably is one that I use in business and in life in general. Um, but you know, often when things seem all too hard, start going pear shape, you really have to step back, take a moment, have a big breath and look at that bigger picture. Um, and often what you find is you're able to get a new view and perspective of what it is that's challenging and ultimately a bit more clarity around it. And taking a little bit of extra time can ultimately uh, allow you to step in, step back into that problem uh, with, with that, um, I guess, changed view or kind of different perspective and you're able to kind of forge ahead and, and get a better result rather than trying to keep tackling and keep punching through it. Uh, you know, you, you're able to kind of change direction. Yeah. One uh, for me, working with you and listening to you today, whoever has given you the advice or the support to get you to be the awesome translator you are from technology to business need, um, big tick. Because one thing that I know for sure that you definitely haven't lost your customer lens. Um, although you've taken all these technology roles, you still talk from the customer's perspective and. Um, you have a sense that anything's possible. Um, I do miss that, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait to uh, celebrate more successes with you, Adrian, because I know there's limitless possibilities when you're involved. Oh, thanks very much. It's great to hear. Yeah, so um, thanks for today. Really, really loved having you um, share some of your stories. Next week I'm going to... Um, reflect a little bit about what we've talked about and unpack some of the the tips and tricks that I think other project leaders can learn from you. So thanks for today and um, enjoy Easter. Thank you, you too. Thank you for listening and I hope you have a few ideas to take action. 
I would love for you to rate and review the show. I too need feedback to learn. Cheers for now. Remember, a day without laughter is a day wasted.